Turn with me, please, again. We've been, this is part 11 of Riches of the New Covenant. The Riches of the New Covenant. And we'll just go straight into, uh, turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll just lift out a couple of verses for, we want to get moving on a little. Ephesians chapter 2 and let's read from verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We know the Lord will bless his own word. Let's just bow again the word of prayer. Father, Take your word now and inscribe it in our hearts and imprint it upon every mind, Lord. We ask you, Lord, that you would help us to take thy word in. And that you'd help us, Lord, to take your word and meditate upon the things that we hear. Especially in those times, Lord, when we're weary and we're weak and wayward, Lord, where we're needing a special touch from you. A visitation of the Lord. May your word dwell richly in every heart. Glorify your name this morning, we pray. We thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you for loving us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we've been doing the riches of the new covenant and as I said, this is part 11. And we've been doing an alphabetical uh, study where it's A, B, C and so on. A, accepted in the beloved B, born of God. C, crucified with Christ. D, delivered from darkness. Uh, E, enriched by him in everything. What's after E? E, F, G, F, uh, forgiven for Christ's sake. And G, we have been on G as God's workmanship. And in verse 10 of our reading it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. In other words, In the new covenant, you and I are born of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost living in us, dwelling in us, and abiding in us. And since we are under the terms, as it were, the agreement of the new covenant of blood that is shed by our Lord Jesus, what happens is that with the Spirit dwelling and living in those who accept Christ, those who accept his full work, in other words, when Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. You and I had our sins paid for, our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. We don't work to be saved. We don't give alms to be saved, nor right in the sight of God. We don't try and muster things or work things up or try and give money. All we do is receive by faith, believing what Jesus done, done on the cross for us. What he did was enough. To pay for our debt. In other words, if you and I say it's Jesus plus my works, Jesus plus good living, Jesus plus money giving, Jesus plus churchianity or denomination, or Jesus, what he has done on the cross and anything else, one old Puritan said it is a destructive addition to add anything to Christ. What Christ has done doesn't need anything added to it. Once you and I try to add something for salvation, 
Once you and I try to give something for our salvation, we are demeaning, we are belittling, we are weakening, we are taking away from the power of the sacrificial Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus. In other words, we're saying, Jesus, your sacrifice on the cross, the blood that you shed for for me is not good enough, not powerful enough. So it means then that you and I are trying to add to what Christ has done. That's why we read, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Notice, not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. Not one of us will boast of what we have achieved, attained, added to, given, prayed, anything. None of us will boast when we stand before God. Those of us who are saved will come solely and on nothing else but the blood of the Lamb. Trusting in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all it saves. Receiving Christ as Savior. And that's not because some country preacher says that or or some pastor preaches that. That's not the reason. We have read it from Scripture That it's only through faith, by the grace of God through faith, we receive the gift of his son and we are saved. Not we hope to be saved, we are saved. Not that we might be saved, we are saved. Not that we'll see on the day when we get there, we are saved. Our assurance and our security is here today, this morning, in our hearts. Now the... The question to ask is, do you have that assurance? Do you have the security that is in Christ? You see, God's workmanship is here, we mentioned it last week, is grace. Grace is is to receive that which we do not deserve. To receive something we do not deserve. Grace is unmerited favour, something we didn't work for. So in other words, if you go into a Greek term, it gives the idea of The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in one's life. So in other words, as believers, you and I, before we were saved, no matter what side of the fence we come from, no matter what we look like, no matter what we've done, we were all sinners in the sight of God. But a divine, the divine influence came on our hearts. The divine influence is the moving of the Holy Ghost. The divine influence quickens our spirit. The divine influence causes us to be interested. The divine influence enables us to see Christ. The divine influence of God is that which illuminates our hearts and our minds and our lives to be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ as our all-sufficient once and for all, never to be repeated again, sacrifice. And we receive him. We receive that sacrifice. We believe in that sacrifice. That is the divine influence upon the heart. Now that divine influence starts the workmanship of God in you. Changes your life. Changes your thoughts. Changes your desires. Changes who you are. Changes your own wills and your wants and your ways. The divine influence is the working of God in the believer's life. The divine influence is the grace of God 
coming to touch the heart, to touch the life, to touch the mind, to touch the spirit, and to quicken us, to make us alive under the things of God. And when we receive Christ, he comes and lives within us through the power, person, and presence of the Holy Spirit. Here we have God's workmanship in the believer. Is God working in you? Is God working in you? God's workmanship is grace, the divine influence upon the heart. And as God comes and lives in you, abides in you, as he dwells in you, as he moves in you, as he resides in you, as the Holy Spirit of God is within you, working in you, and he is taking you and giving you the unction of his power. And as he does that, he fashions, he forms, he shapes, he makes, he molds, he informs, he reforms the man and the woman from the inside to the out. That's God's workmanship. The divine influence is the Holy Spirit moving in your life and that reflects from you. It reflects in your life. The divine influence is in the heart, moving on the heart, reflects on one's life, your life changes. And the things you say, I, I, if I was, if I was a, a believer, I, I wouldn't be able to do this or do that or go here or go there. You see, when you have the divine influence, the workmanship of God in your life, you don't want to go here, you don't want to do that, you don't want to do the other thing because you are a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Now therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. In other words, God is creating something. Look what Paul says here in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, notice, created in Christ Jesus. Now you see, the workmanship of God doesn't do a creation in the unregenerate heart. In other words, the man and the woman who have never come to saving faith, the man and woman who have never bowed the knee at the foot of the old rugged cross, the man and the woman who aren't fully trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, that man and that woman, they do not have the workmanship of God because once God works on a life, irresistible grace calls that heart, makes that heart investigate the things of God, and God captivates that heart. Like the old Puritan Samuel Rutherford said, Since he hath looked upon me, mine heart is not my own, for he hath run away to heaven with it. <coughs> and Christ runs away with your heart. Your desires change. And the things that you loved, you don't love anymore. The things that you thought you could never love, you love. Because of the workmanship of God in your life. Here we have grace. It's a gift that we are given. Salvation is a gift not earned, not worked, not mustered up. If I come to you and I give you a gift, I'm not giving you something that you'll give me money for it. It's a gift. I give it to you. Salvation is a gift. So here we have the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. And now that God is working in our lives, we are created, not man-made. We are created unto good works. Now, we do not work to be saved. We work because we are saved. We work because we are saved. 
So now let's, let's move a little on in, in this. I, I showed you last week that if we go to Hebrews chapter 13, please, if you want to flick over with me. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. We'll lift out a couple of verses just for time's sake. Notice this. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Notice this. That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Notice that he makes you, he perfects you to do his will. Working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, we looked last week at how Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 and 10, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. The word for workmanship is poema. And it gives the idea, it comes from a root word to make something, to fabricate something, to sew a fabric together. It gives the idea of making a pattern like a tapestry. Gives the idea of God is in you and in me who are born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb and he is making a fabrication within us to be more like his Son. The idea is here that we will show it in our lives. We will show the working of God in our lives. That which is working in will show on the outside. And notice what it says here in Hebrews 13, verse 20, and 20, rather 21. You make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. In other words, what God is making something in you which will be well-pleasing before him. God is doing something in you which will be well-pleasing in his sight. God is working in you this morning through the preaching of his word. God is working in you this morning from the worship as we stand to worship and sing. God is moving. God is working. God is calling. God is always at work in the heart of the believer. And those who are not believers, God calls them to him. The divine influence in your heart. God is always working. And he's working for our good. He's working for our benefit and he's working that he might take us to the kingdom of God. Now notice this. Let's look at Hebrews 13 and 20. Now the God of peace which brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now you see that that is the new covenant we speak of. The New Testament people call it. That new covenant, the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus, outside of coming under the fountain of Calvary, outside of the blood of the new covenant, or the everlasting covenant, outside of that new covenant, every man and woman are lost. Lost in their sin. 
No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, they're lost. The only thing that will save you is coming under the blood of the everlasting covenant. If you and I could be saved by our works or our deeds, then Christ need not have died. You and I just needed to work a little harder, be a little better, give a little more, do more charity works or whatever. But none of us will be able to boast on that day, for it's all through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Here's something I want to show you in verse 20. See where it says here, now the God of peace. See the word peace. Now you and I know what it means when uh, a people are at peace or a country is at peace from war or you have peace in the house when maybe the children are at school and you maybe get five minutes to yourself and your brain starts to wind down a little and that sort of peace. Here, the word peace is greater. Now the God of peace brings us right back to the root of things. Brings us right back to that root where all things stem from. Where all things spread from. And where true peace will only be found. The word here for peace is a word irene. And the word irene gives the idea of a oneness. I want you to catch this. It gives the idea of a oneness. It gives the idea of a unity. In other words, when two warring factions come in peace, that is the oneness and the unity. It gives the idea of reconciliation. In other words, now the God of reconciliation that brought our Lord Jesus from the dead. Or brought from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. In other words, God's reconciliation back to you and to me. God being reconciled one with another. God coming to us and moving with a divine influence in our hearts and his son shedding his blood. It's only when a man and a woman are reconciled to God through the blood of the everlasting covenant. It's only when a man and woman are reconciled to God, trusting in that blood, trusting in the work of Christ, trusting in what he's done on the cross, trusting in Christ and Christ alone. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is that self-same God living, moving and abiding in us. And that's where we find true and real peace. It starts with every man and woman coming to be peace at peace with God. In other words, you will never be at peace. And those outside of Christ will never be at peace for all eternity. But the God who wants to be reconciled to the sinner, he came himself, shed his blood and died in the person of his son. And now he's called the God who has given us all peace. He is the great reconciler. He's the one who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. And through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he reigns, he lives, he moves, he abides, he has the divine influence over the heart of the believer. Notice this. Try and stay focused on me if you can for a moment. The God of peace, as I said, it means, gives the idea to bring together unity, oneness, reconciliation. Turn with me to John's Gospel 14. John's Gospel, chapter 14. 
And notice what happens here. And we've, we say it all the time. We've said it, we say it at funerals. We, we read it. And they're beautiful words from the Lord Jesus. John chapter 14. Let your eye uh, run down, please. Uh, to verse... Verse 26. But the Comforter... Now, if you need peace, there's your peace. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Notice, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I see the word peace that the Lord Jesus mentions there. He says, I'm going to die. Go to the tomb, I'll rise again. I'll ascend to heaven, I'll be leaving you. And can you imagine these disciples with the Jews all around looking to kill them and the Roman soldiers there and, and all that's going on. And they're saying, Lord, but what about us? What about us? They're not at peace. You know where the true peace stems from, he said? He says, when I go, the Comforter will come. He'll live in you. He'll live in you. He'll teach you. He'll show you. He'll lead you. The Holy Spirit is not some outside influence who comes every now and again and, and gives some people a fuzzy feeling. The Holy Ghost is God himself coming and dwelling in the heart of those who have received him. And he lives in us. And Jesus says, now since I go, he says, peace. Or it's the same word, reconciliation. He says, I leave with you. You'll be reconciled to God. In other words, you'll be conscious of power. You'll be conscious of the Holy Ghost. You'll be conscious of being led. You'll be conscious of God's teaching. He says, because I will be living in you. And that is the peace. He says, peace I leave with you. He says, I'm going to leave my peace with you. I will be reconciled unto you. The Father will be reconciled. Jesus takes the hand of the sinner. Jesus takes the hand of the Father. And he is the conduit of the Holy Ghost flowing from the Father's heart to mine. So you see the peace here. The peace here gives the idea of being brought into unity. Look what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace. In other words, the reconciliation's in me and I will give it to you. There's two things. Peace with God. Peace off God. When a man and a woman comes to saving faith in Christ, they receive there and then, at that moment, when they bow the knee and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I believe that you died for me and shed your blood. Your blood has cleansed me from all my sin. I claim the merits of your blood. Fill me with your spirit. At that moment in time when they turn their mind and repent from their sin, they have made their peace with God. Reconciled to God. Reconciled a unity and a oneness with God which can never be broken. But peace off God is a different thing. Peace off God is what we learn to live with the Holy Ghost living in us. In times of trial, we're looking for him. Times of trouble, 
we're yearning for him. And we're saying, Lord, where are you in this situation? Where are you in this trial? Where are you as I go through this illness? Where are you as I'm worried about something? And it's through those trials God comes through for us. God changes the situation. We're praying God is edging us along, calling us deeper into his presence. We're learning to walk with him and talk with him. We're learning to fellowship with him. And all the while, God is teaching us to trust him. To trust him with all our hearts and lean not onto our own understanding. And when God is teaching us to trust him, what is he doing? He's showing us peace, not only with God, but of God. The next trial comes and what happens? Lord, you have come through for me before. And I have seen you move the mountain. And I have seen you slay the giants. And I have seen you move in my life. Lord, you have done so many great wonders. You've done healings and signs and miracles. You've answered prayer. We have seen it before. You can do it again. And that's peace of God. That's the learning of the divine influence in the heart of the believer. So when you're going through a trial, God hasn't left you. God hasn't stopped loving you. God hasn't says on you go on your own and we'll see how you get on. God says to you, he says, trust me and I'll bring you through. That's peace I leave with you. My peace, that reconciling peace that you know, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So you can see when he's called the God of peace that brought from the dead, Again, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, you can see that you and I in Christ in the new covenant, the blessing that we have in him. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. A couple of verses and then a couple of comments and we'll close. Colossians chapter 1, please. And verse 20. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's go verse 19. For it pleased the Father. That in him. Beautiful. That is beautiful. For it pleased the Father that in him. Think about him. Think about him. The Lord Jesus Christ. It pleased the Father that in him. In him, he who was nailed to the tree. He who was spat upon. He who bore a crown of thorns. Think about him. It was him. He who was beaten with rods. He who was slapped and had his beard put out. He who was marred beyond any, any other man. Think about him. Him. And who is he? A prophet? Well, he is, yeah. A good man? Yep, yeah, he is indeed. A holy man, yes he is. Notice what it says. For it pleased the Father that in him should all, not some, not a bit, not even a third, should all of the fullness dwell. In other words, in that man is very God, a very God. And he was nailed to the tree, very God of very God. The fullness 
of God was in him. And men think, well, if I'm good, I'll get to heaven. If I work, I'll get to heaven. If I pray, I'll get to heaven. If I do alms and deeds, I'll get to heaven. What about that wonderful sacrifice of God's Son in him? All the fullness was dwelling. That is, the fullness of the Godhead bodily was in Christ. Kneel to the tree, the beloved Son of the Father. And men tend to think, well, I'll be a good person and I'll get to heaven. Will you? Will you? What about his son? Because in that day, God is not going to ask men and women, well, where did you go and what did you do? The Lord knows all of our ways. He has counted all of our steps. He knows even the very sparrow in flight. But on that day, when the man and woman stands before him, he's going to say, what did you do with my son? See, everything rests on accepting or rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ and him solely, totally, and completely in him. And nothing else. Did you receive what my son has done? I gave him for you. Did you receive my son's sacrifice? And did you walk with him? That will be a question to be asked, won't it? Or did you reject him? On that will lay the premise of whether that divine influence is in our hearts, touched our hearts, whether the Spirit lives within us or not. Notice what it says in verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. See where the peace is? Through the blood of his cross. Through the blood of Jesus. It's only through the blood of the everlasting covenant Now here it is through the blood of his cross. It's not in who we are or what we are, what we can attain. It's through the blood of his cross. And having made peace. The words here made peace is uh, a very similar word. It gives the idea of a peacemaker. Someone came into two warring factions and comes in as an envoy and is a peacemaker. That's the idea. And having a peacemaker... God himself came in his son and he became the envoy, the ambassador of God. He became God in flesh and he was our peacemaker. So in other words, a man and a woman cannot make peace with God. They cannot make their peace with God unless or except they come through the blood of his cross. So now you and I in the new covenant to have peace off God. God is working with us. We're making the peace. So we have peace with God and now God working in us. We have peace off God. Here's something I'll close with. Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. I haven't time to go into all this but notice this. We're looking at how We are his workmanship. You're God's workmanship this morning. If God's moving in you, God will work in you. God will direct you, lead you, teach you. God will change your desires. God will make you a new creature, a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If God is working in you, then good works will come from you. 
Notice what it says here, Revelation 16, and let your eye run down. We're looking at the working here. Verse 13, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are, notice this, they are the spirits of devils. Notice that. In other words, this is religious spirits, secular spirits. Okay? For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Here we have, looking at the battle, what's known as Armageddon or the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And these spirits of devils are working today. Working today in the hearts of world leaders, monetary bankers, church leaders who profess to be Christ's, but they deny the power thereof. And here we have communism's mentioned in this, strands of Judaism are mentioned in this. And all of these are Antichrist. If you were to go and follow the, the things that you see in news bulletins and around the world, you'll see the moving of the spirits of devils working in. Notice the words are working in. Working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth. These miracles being worked doesn't mean to say they're like the Red Sea parting. In other words, they're changing men. They're turning men. And they also work in individuals. They don't have to be world leaders. And here, the, the, the idea here is that these spirits of devils are working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth. It's the same word, poieo. In other words, it's the same word that comes from God's workmanship in the believer. So that which God does to make us different, separate, distinct, that which God does to empower us, equip us, that which God does to change our desires, our will, our motives, and all the things that we like, to bow our own wills to him, that working of God in us, the same is on the other side of the coin for the working of the spirits of devils. In other words, the spirits of devils are working in men and women today. The spirits of devils are working in the men and women in your workplace. The spirits of devils are working in these church leaders, denominational leaders. They're not everyone. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about those who are, who are professing Christ, denying the power thereof. I'm talking about those who, who have religious worship instead of Worshipping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And they're taking, they're, they're those who are not Bible believing. They're not preaching the word of God. There are those who are monetary bankers. The, you, you think of the, especially the, the Goldman Sachs and all these. They, whether they realize it or not, I don't know. New World Order, the Illuminati. And they're working, you know what they're doing? They are fabricating They're sewing a tapestry in the world. They're weaving a web, as it were. They're fabricating. They're making something up. And they're bringing the world together with forth for the battle of that great day of God Almighty. But you and I can praise the Lord this morning. You know why? Because they're not working in you if you've come to the cross of Christ. 
They're not working in you if you belong to the Lord Jesus. They're not working in you. He has no hold over you, no dominion over you, because God is working in you. You belong to him. And you have peace with God, and in our daily walking we have the peace of God. That's the difference in the new covenant when Jesus shed his blood and died. Now here's the thing. Are we all under the covenant, the everlasting covenant, the blood of the everlasting covenant, the blood of the cross? Are we all trusting in that and in that alone? Trust this morning that God's word will speak to us. That God move in your life and that God work to make you more like Christ. More like his son. God bless us this morning. Time's flowing. It's time to go. Next week we're going to stay on G. We're going to do another G maybe. We're going to get through these sometime. Maybe in the year 2015 we'll be finished. Next, next week we'll do another G. Grounded in love. You'll like that one. Grounded in love. And if we get time we'll move on to H. And we'll maybe do Heal by his stripes. Heal by his stripes. Grounded in love. If you and I are grounded in the love of Christ. Because of the cross. Lord bless us.